Hello and welcome to the Munch Bunch podcast. This is Kimi Nishimoto and I am here with my co-host Megan Van Oy. Hi guys. We are both hygienists and myofunctional <laughs> therapists. <laughs> uh, today's topic is Wim Hof breathing techniques and how it can help with dysfunctional breathing. And we have our amazing guest star, Dr. Dan Hansen, all the way from Australia on today. Hi, Dr. Dan. Hey, how are you guys going? We're feeling good. We're really excited about today. Yeah, I am too. I'm really excited about today. (laughs) Uh, Do you want to like briefly introduce yourself? I know we did that a lot last week. So y'all go listen to our podcast about functional breathing so you can learn all about that. So then today's episode makes sense. Mm -hmm. So go ahead, Dr. Dan, give us a little bit about yourself. Okay. Uh, My name is Dan Hansen. Um, As you can probably tell from my accent, I'm from England originally. I moved to Australia in about 2006. Um, Well, actually in 2006, not about 2006. And um, (laughs) yeah, quite soon after that, I got very, very interested in in, in function, uh, particular oral functions. I'm, I'm a dentist. Um, and uh, began working on children with expansion and things like that and saw the amazing things that can happen when kids um, start to have better better occlusion and things like that. At that point in time, I didn't really know too much about airway and so on, and, but I was noticing kids' behavior in my practice starting to improve and sort of wondered what was going on. Um, but I did notice relapse happening, um, and as a result of that, I started looking at why that was happening, sort of, you know, working our kid at age five or six, doing an amazing job, and they come back at seven or eight, and they've relapsed, and that's what really got me yeah. into function. Um, I started going down that pathway, and during that journey, um, came across the importance of um, of uh, muscle function, um, uh, my- myofunction type stuff, uh, and on that, on that journey... Um, went to a went to a short talk about about um, functional breathing and uh, that was a two-day lecture and I was quite confused and sort of also quite blown away by the information I was given and that led me down the Biteco pathway so I went at that time I had snoring and sleep apnea myself so I went down on a on a Biteco course just for my own health really and um, had amazing benefits myself from that um, and as a result, became a Biteco practitioner. It took me about 12 months to get qualified with the Biteco Institute of Breathing and Health. Um, I then started working on my own patients. With, um, we don't call them patients in the Biteco, though. We, we call them clients because I, it's not really a, a medical thing. It's more like a coach. Um, yeah, and I saw, I saw people coming off of CPAP machines. I saw kids getting off of asthma medication and those sorts of things. And, and so I would end up referring patients in my myo practice who needed more help with the breathing stuff to to myself doing doing in, in a different building doing doing breathing education with them and I, and I found that was a missing link a lot with a lot of the myo stuff um so i was a devout buteco uh, sorry de- devout buteco person basically um and for those who maybe it didn't tune into part one buteco breathing is very much about not breathing very much it's about breathing less breathe less to get more oxygen delivered to the cells and um this is how i came across the the, the wim hof method because it's the opposite and i and i was pretty much uh, i was pretty triggered i was emotionally triggered when i saw this crazy guy from the netherlands doing this breathing technique 
um, where essentially it's hyperventilation, which is the opposite to what I'd been told was the healthy thing to do. Um, and so I went along to a workshop very skeptically, pretty much to, um, to just kind of um, have my own skepticism prove correct. And while I was there, um, I realized that, that I, I was not correct and, and that, and that both, these meth- both these methods can actually work really well. And I have a lecture called Buteyko versus Hoff Complementary Paradoxes. And, and in fact, they can, they can both complement each other, even though they appear to be very, very different. So, Is that available online, Dan? It is. It is. Um, I, at this point in time, I haven't got it recorded. So I just do it, on, I just do it live online in, in webinar, webinar format. Um, and, and so, yeah, it's, um, it, it's, it's an interesting thing because I've gone from, you know, it, when I tell people in the Bitaco Institute, I'm doing this Wim Hof thing, the purists are all like, oh, my goodness, you're, you're, this is heresy. You know, it, 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 it's, you're a traitor. So, yeah, yeah. And I'm, I'm a traitor. And also I'm still a very much purist Bitaco guy at the same time. It, it really depends what you're trying to achieve. And that's what I'm hoping to shed some light on um, today, you know, during this, during this talk. But that's how yeah. I came across it. I, I ended up at a workshop. It was a three-hour workshop for, for lay people. It wasn't a professional thing. Um, most Wim Hof workshops are experiences for lay people, particularly people in the in the sports industry or just just people who are who are interested in improving um, um, self development in all kinds of different ways. And um, yeah, I went there and had an amazing experience and thought, oh, that was interesting. And that was just like a case study of one. Uh, so came home and started practicing it and continued to practice it because it was, I was getting so many benefits. Yeah. Now, Dan, didn't you tell us something like somebody climbed Everest (laughs) using this technique, like something crazy, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so that's, so we're talking about the Wim Hof technique. So, so Wim Hof is a, is a, a a Dutch guy from the, from the Netherlands, from Holland. Um, And um, for many, many years, he's, um, He's been interested in lots and lots of different um, sort of Eastern type things. So yoga and mindfulness and meditation and things like that. Um, so he, he was born in 1959. So he's, he's, not, a, he's not a young man now. Um, I think he's in his, his, that will be in his 60s pretty much now. Um, and yeah, so he, he was an, an athlete um, and, he, and he still is very, very athletic. And he's got over 20 Guinness World Records. Um, yeah, yeah. So a pretty, pretty impressive guy. And basically, um, what happened with him, the, the way he kind of came across his method, which is, we call it the Wim Hof method. And the way he came across it is through his own depression and, 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 um, and challenges in his own life. So essentially what happened with him was he had four children, um, and he was a very devout husband to his wife. Um, his wife had severe depression and ended up committing suicide. She jumped off a building. Um, and the only thing that kept him from probably committing suicide himself was, was his children, his need to be there for his children. And so he went into a lot of depression and anxiety and so on. And one day he's walking through a a park. Um, I think it was in the Netherlands and there was a body of water and it was winter in the Netherlands, which is pretty cold. There was a body of water there, a pond, and he just decided to go into this water and to, and to sit there very still in nature, submerged in the, in the cold water. And he was in there for a few minutes 
Um, <laughs> yeah, quite an unusual thing to do, right? But he was, yeah. he was, but he was at he was at his lowest depth. He was right, he was right at the bottom of his depth. Like he was, oh. you know, do should he commit suicide? He, no, he needs to be there for his children. He just went into the water, and as a result of going into the water, he he came out feeling like he had some kind of control in his life, um, and and feeling energized. And so he continued to do this and he, he did it. Um, I think he did it pretty much daily for a period of time. Um, and, and I think he still does it daily anyway now, but basically through doing this, he realized he had some control over his own being and over his own life. And, and that little, that little kind of light at the end of the tunnel that he had, there was some control over what was going on in his life. Um, it became a practice for him and he found that uh, he could do, he could do all kinds of very very interesting things. So you mentioned before about about climbing. Um, he actually climbed climbed um, Mount Kilimanjaro in in just a pair of shorts uh, in in the you know with with the snow. So um, so you know you got other guys completely dressed up in all kinds of you know North Face gear and all that kind of stuff. And um, here he is going up the mountain in um, in a pair of shorts. So very you know, <laughs> no, so quite cr- for that. <laughs> quite, quite crazy and, and you know it's like a don't try this at home type thing um you know but it's um yeah um and, and he has cl- climbed on everest in a pair of shorts as well he's done it he's run oh, he wow. ran a desert marathon without any water um uh you know many many different feats of endurance and he's got the world record for the longest time spent submerged in in ice at the moment uh which is just over two hours i believe so Ooh. so quite interesting that, but prior to there's, there's essentially there's, there's three pillars to his method. Um, those three pillars are that the breathing technique, which really it's not something that he specifically made up because he already knew a lot of Eastern type techniques. Breathing techniques has been around for millennia in different types of breathing. Um, but he was aware of different breathing techniques and the way they could affect body physiology and biochemistry. Um, and this cold exposure thing, that's also been around for a long time. But what he's done is he's put together these three pillars, which is cold exposure, breathing technique, and training of the mindset. And, and putting those things together um, is, has, has impacts on his health. And essentially, he's gone to the scientific community and says he, he doesn't tend to get sick. This is very, very interesting. We need to look at this. Um, and, and now, thankfully, there's been a lot of research done into this and some really interesting research papers, which I'll, I'd, I'd love to get into at some point um, during this talk um, about, about how we can improve our immune system and reduce inflammation and things like that. Yeah, so ve- very, very interesting. Um, you want me to talk a little bit about some of those research things now or? Um, um, yeah, I mean, get, yeah, let's do it. Yeah, I mean, so, you know, you kind of just told us what, the Wim Hof versus Buteyko kind of on a surface level. So let's kind of dive in mm. even more and see, tell us this research. We we're so like, we're so excited about this. It seems so crazy. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, maybe, maybe before I get into the research, I'll explain what happens. What's the difference between Buteyko and, 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 and the Wim Hof method and, and kind of how do the two, you know, cause they both obviously are working on the same, um, physiological system which is the the breathing system the respiratory system um but basically what happens is during both Buteyko and Wim Hof breathing techniques um there are altered blood gases that happen so with Buteyko we breathe a little bit less than normal or, or we do breath holds and um that increases the CO2 
inside the body. Um, there's 0.03% CO2 outside of the body in atmospheric air and at least um, at least three and a half percent inside the body. Otherwise, we three percent. Otherwise, we we die. But we have about six and a half percent, ideally, inside our body at all times when we're at rest. So if we breathe more, if we hyperventilate, um, we lose CO2 to the atmosphere around us. Um, so with the Wim Hof method, um, when when we do do a um, we don't like calling it hyperventilation because it gives this this notion of an acute stress and a, and a terrible panic type breathing. And, and that's not what it is. It's, this is where the mindset pillar comes in. It's done in a very, very calm, relaxed state, lying down on the floor, nice and rested and so on. But we do this um, big, full in-breath, um, in, fully in, fully out. And we continue to do that for between about 30 and 40 times. And you can imagine we're, we're really dumping off a lot of carbon dioxide when we do that. So, so we, we go into a low carbon dioxide state now, if we were doing that all day long, if that was how we were breathing all day long, it would be terrible for the body. It would be really, really awful for the body. So that's that's the kind of thing that Buteyko is trying to get rid of is, is an all day long habitual hyperventilation. What we're talking about here is not a habitual hyperventilation. It's an intentional and very consciously done hyperventilation in order to get the body into a certain state. So we have low carbon dioxide state which means that we're, having, we're actually having a cellular hypoxia for that, for that moment in time. Um, so we, also in a, we have plenty of oxygen, of course, in the blood, but it's not being released to the cells and the tissues because we've dumped our carbon dioxide away. So what happens is, as a result, we get a stress response. We get a natural stress response as a result of this cellular hypoxia and as a result of um, uh, this low CO2. And also we get the periphery shutting down um, so we we you know, we might have tingling and numbness in the hands and toes, fingers and toes, and stuff like that, and we get the blood going to our to our core. Okay, so the opposite of Buteyko in this during this hyperventilation. Now, what happens here is there's a stress response going on, and as a result, we 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 have adrenaline released, and adrenaline is is part of our immune system. So so basically. Yeah. So, so, you know, if, if something comes into your body and, and, and you know, essentially attacks, attacks you, whether it's uh, um, something from outside or whether it's inside the body, a, a virus, a bacteria, whatever, in order to mobilize your, your immune system and have a stress response to fight that problem, um, we, we're going to have a, a, a adrenal responses as part of that. And we're going to get increased white blood cell production. So that's interesting, right? Because now obviously... Mm-hmm. If you're sick, you're going to have in, you're going to have a high wood, white blood cell count um, mm-hmm. to fight the illness. But what we're talking about here is having a high white blood cell count in absence of an illness. And so you can imagine if someone's doing this kind of thing regularly, we're going to have a, 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 an immune system that's 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 ready to fight when it needs to. Essentially, that's what we're talking about. So mm-hmm. we have, mm-hmm. yeah, that's cool. And so, and the other interesting thing is we, we after this uh, hyperventilation, uh, because we don't have much CO2, we're then able to hold our breath for a long period of time. And almost like when you first hear this, what the numbers I'm going to quote in a moment, like, please don't fall off your chair. But, <laughs> but, but basically, um, when we do it with beginners, the first breath hold will be something between about 45 seconds and a minute for the first time. Um, but which is excessively long for me, sure. like 30 seconds. I feel sure. like I'm going to die. 
<laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And it is for, for most people as well. Now, the thing is, once you've, because CO2 is the main thing that's driving you to breathe, um, as opposed to lack of oxygen, um, what's going to happen is because you've let your CO2 go, um, you will you will be much more comfortable um, holding your breath for an extended period of time because CO2 takes a while to then build back up again. Mm. Um, it, it's just like what free divers do. Have you ever have you ever seen free divers where they go down underwater without an oxygen tank? Yeah, so yeah. that's what those guys do. They they sit on top of the water and they do a series of deep breaths, um, hyperventilating. The people who don't realize what's going on, they often say, oh, yeah, they're taking in more oxygen. But we all know that you can only have 98, 99, maybe 100 percent. But, you know, you, you can only have a certain amount of oxygen in the blood at any one time, because once hemoglobin is fully saturated, you're not getting more oxygen in there because it's full. Huh. So so actually hmm. what they're doing by hyperventilating is they're dumping CO2 and buying themselves more time underwater. Um, then they can go down underwater with their breath held. CO2 is rising because they're not breathing. And uh, they can spend much more time underwater than if they had not have hyperventilated prior. And so this is what we're doing with the Wim Hof method, where we're, we're doing hyperventilation followed by a, a, a breath hold. And for me now, um, my average breath hold is probably between about two and two and a half minutes when I'm doing it. Wow. What? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Damn! Damn! Yeah, no, son. but this this it sounds a lot, but I, I can I assure you in my first in my first experience of this with other people in the room, and there was one lady there who was in her seventies with chronic fatigue, and there was another person there with with serious uh, 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 PTSD, um, you know, people who are chronically chronically stressed. Those guys were easily holding their breath for a minute or a minute and a half, no problem on the, on on that first go, and that's because of that's because of the hyperventilation that comes before it. So, so let's think about what. Yeah, please. You have a question, Kimmy? Yeah. Yes, I do. So, so you can do it for two minutes with Wim Hof. What was your Buteyko breath mm, hold? Okay, so the Buteyko, my sort of average Buteyko breath hold is about thirty-five seconds. Um, but I've been practicing that for a long time. And, and when I used to have snoring and sleep apnea, it was about 15 seconds. Um, so just for those who don't know, a Biteco breath hold is not a maximum breath hold. It's, it's, ne it's never that. It's, it's a gentle in-breath, gentle out-breath. Then hold your breath until you get that first sensation of needing to breathe. Um, so it but the breath hold, the, going back to the Biteco thing here, interestingly, I mean, that breath hold will will vary according to um, your state of mind, what you've eaten, when you've eaten, um, whether you've, whether you, you know, uh, all kinds of different things. So if you've just had an argument with someone or you've just eaten some food, your, your, your control pause, as we call it in the Biteco method, uh, will be lower. So you'll have oh. more drive. You'll have more drive to breathe if you've just eaten or you've just um, had an argument with someone because of state of mind and state of digestion. <laughs> uh, so... <laughs> So, and these things are really interesting because, you know, again, coming back to the Biteco method now, just for a moment, um, if someone comes to me with snoring and sleep apnea, one of the first things I'm going to ask them to do um, is, is to make sure they're not eating or drinking close to bedtime because you're asking the body to work harder to digest that food. And that's going to, that's going to increase respiratory drive, which is going to increase a tendency towards snoring and, and, you know, and sleep apnea, which comes later. But um these things are very important. It's not just a case of do, do some breathing oh. exercises or stick an advancement splint in your mouth or expand your jaw. It's actually 
what are you actually doing to your body? What are you asking it to do instead of asking it to sleep? Um, and the, the stomach needs to be empty when we go to sleep. Um, so if we want to sleep well, of course. Um, so just for a moment, coming back towards, so we, so we go into a breath hold. Now, what's going to happen to carbon dioxide during that breath hold? It's going it's to gonna increase, increase, of course. Yeah, so it's going to increase. So when when we have that breath hold, so the, the breath hold in and of itself is a, um, a uh, it's a stressor for the body after a while because what happens, because we're able to hold our breath for a long time, pulse oxygenation actually falls, um, can fall quite a lot. Um, now, I've obviously done this with my capnometer and my pulse oximeter on and all these other things. And I've, I've got, you know, videos of that, which I show during my courses and things like that. But basically, um, what can happen, which which I, I'm mindful of not, not suggesting this for any patients at this point in time, because we don't have enough research on it. But what happens is, we, I, you go into quite a low state of oxygen um, for, for a short period of time until we breathe again. Um, so I can get down to about 65% saturation of oxy oxygen, which wow. again, Whoa. now if this was in hospital and if, if it was as a result of an injury or an illness, this would be a serious emergency and it would be a really terrible situation to be in. But the point, the point is the difference that we've got here is we're consciously and intentionally going into this state in order to have an adaptive response. And that's oh. what the, the Wim Hof, that's what the Wim Hof oh. method is all about. It's about stressing the body on a, um, on, in a very short amount of time um, in order to have a good adaptive response. So we have a stress response, which is the adrenaline release. Um, and, and again, that's going to be mobilizing the immune system. Um, we're going to, we're going to have a resultant uh, reduction in inflammation, reduction in cortisol, we have increase in things like interleukin-10, um, inc increased white blood cell count, um, all these different sorts of things. These are the sorts of benefits that have been shown in, in the research that, to, actually, um, to actually give us, give us uh, benefits. So when I said an adaptive response, if, for those who don't know what adaptive responses is or, or the, the, the medical term is hormesis, um, and um, it's a bit like going to the gym, okay? So... If you went to the gym and you lifted too many weights, what's going to happen? Um, this has happened to me. I couldn't sure. walk for two days and I had to go grocery shopping in a mechanical cart because right. I don't walk around okay. too much. Okay. So, <laughs> you yeah. <laughs> exactly. So, if you lift too many weights, essentially you might get injured or you're going to, you kind of go too far, right? Mm -hmm. and, 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 you know, you, so that the, the response that your body has had is, well, that was too much for me right now. For me, this is too much dose. So the dose was too high of that stress on your body. Now, if you go to the gym and don't lift enough weights, what does or doesn't happen? You don't get sore. You don't get tired. And you don't get. Yeah. Slow. Yeah. I mean, if, if you, you don't, don't lift but if you don't lift enough weights, you don't get the gains that you're trying. You're there trying to achieve. So you're trying to get more healthy. You might not be trying to get more muscle or whatever. But the point is, if you if you are there doing physical exercise to get good improvements in cardiovascular system and and muscle strength and bone health and whatever, if you don't, if the dose isn't high enough, you don't you don't get any effect. If you just sort of stand there and go to the gym and do an, the odd exercise every few minutes and don't really do very much, if you don't stress the body enough, you're not getting a gain. So so what? 
what, an, what a good adaptive response is, is when the dose is just right, where the body goes into enough stress so that you get a good adaptation, but you don't go so far that the elastic band snaps. And that's the elastic band I was talking about the other day with the Biteco method. So mm-hmm. like where it's just exactly too much too effort, much effort uh, mm-hmm. maybe, maybe too many reps or too high weights. And you know, the, the body is not used to that. It's, it's just going to get injured. Um, so the, the key with, with any kind of a hormesis uh, is, is to have the right dose to have a good adaptive response. And so when I'm talking about these different oxygen states and so on, the key is that we don't go too far, but we go far enough just to kind of get into that body physiology. And that's the beauty of the breath. Like compared to any other method that we have, we can change our body physiology within like seconds or within like 30 seconds. We can, we can either do the Biteco method, increase CO2, increase um, oxygenation of the cells, uh, get, get the periphery opened up, feeling nice and warm, all those sorts of things. Or we can do a Wim Hof type thing where we're going to do a, um, a hyperventilation followed by a breath hold to get acute stress responses to get a good adaptive response. So it's, it's interesting stuff. And another thing that if you don't, you guys don't mind me going on a bit, I feel like I'm talking a lot here. But I'm just, <laughs> is it okay? If I... Well, you are the, yeah, okay. you are the okay. star okay. of the show and we're like, we're, we're just like totally into it. So. Okay. Okay. It's, it's, in, it's interesting. You know, I guess I, I'm used to, I, I run a lot of, um, uh, I run men's groups in my community and and groups for self-awareness and emotional intelligence and stuff like that. And really what I'm used to doing is asking an open-ended question and then sitting and listening for a long time. So, so it's kind of like, this is the opposite of how, yeah, I, how, I, how I'm used to today. talking. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> so going back to it then, one thing that Wim Hof says that I think is, re- is really, really, when I heard this, I thought that makes so much sense to me. And what he said was, um, in our modern times, we actually don't get to train and, and, and look after our homeostatic muscles on a, on a regular enough basis compared to in previous times. So what he means by that is, uh, as we were evolving and, and even before recent times, probably before the Industrial Revolution, so I would, I would maybe go back to times of agriculture or, or you know, even maybe a bit before that, um, you know, if you lived in the middle of Norway, for example, in, in winter, you would get cold. Your body would get cold and you would have to have an adaptive response for your body to warm your body up. If you lived in the middle of Australia, where I am in the middle of summer, you would get hot and your body would have to respond correctly in order to cool the body down. But now I live in Australia in the middle of summer. And if I choose to, I can spend my entire time in air conditioning or if I live in Norway in the middle of winter, if I choose to, I can wear, you know, uh, you know, really thick down clothing, amazing gloves, amazing boots the whole time, hats, everything else, heating. And I can basically, my, my body is not having to look after itself from a homeostatic point of view, unless it actually gets sick and a, a virus or a bacteria comes in or something like that. And then all of a sudden the body's like, oh my goodness, I have to respond in a homeostatic sense. And so... So what we're doing here is we're, we're actually training the, the homeostatic checks and balances of the body because let's face it, if you go into ice water, which is the second pillar of the, or one of the pillars of the, the Wim Hof technique, if you go into ice water and your body doesn't respond in a favorable way, you're going to pretty quickly deteriorate. Like it's, it's, it's a dangerous place to be if, if, you're, not, if you're not doing the right things and, and if you're there too long as well. So 
you got when I go into the, I have a nice bath. I have a chest freezer out the back of my house. And what I do is I, I, I fill it about three quarters of the way up with water. I put it on for a day or two and it turns, it gets a thin layer of ice on the top. Um, and then I turn the freezer off. So make sure you do that. If you're going to try this at home, uh, turn the freezer off. Yeah. So there's no <laughs> chance of any electrocution or anything like that. Um, and I break the thin layer of ice on the top and then I sit in the ice bath for around about on average, maybe about sort of three, four minutes for me, but normally we say about two minutes. And what happens in that, in that point in time, when you go into the ice is we're getting, um, so we're getting the peripheries closing down. Um, we're getting um, endorphin production. A lot of endorphins are being produced when you, produced when you go into the ice. Um, we're getting uh, uh, noradrenaline or norepinephrine um, that increases focus and attention. It improves mood. It's, this has all been shown in scientific studies. Um, we get a vasoconstriction of the periphery in order to make all of the blood go to our core. Um, and uh, noradrenaline has also been linked with, with reduced depression as well and anti-inflammation and increased serotonin. So essentially what we're doing is where all these things will naturally happen if our body is, is stressed anyway. You know, this is what the body does. But we're training these, these homeostatic muscles on a regular basis so that when the virus or bacteria does come into us, which is very topical at the moment, of course, um, when, that, when that does happen, um, mm -hmm. we're, we're going to potentially, and this is unproven, and I'm just, I'm just saying what, what, we're, what we're talking about now is that potentially we're going to respond better to, to that virus coming in. And there is a re interesting research wow. done on that, which we'll get into shortly. Um, I, I look forward to talking about that research paper because that was the thing when I was really skeptical, that research paper was the thing that really blew my mind and we'll talk about that soon. But the other thing that happens when you go into the ice, of course, is you get um, uh, increased activation of something called brown fat. Now brown fat, if you're a native um, American, uh, if you're an Inuit or, or you're living out in uh, maybe the middle of Alaska or that kind of, those kind of people um, in igloos, um, you're going to have a high concentration of brown fat. Um, and, and that's because that's the kind of fat that is, that is good for thermogenesis or producing heat. So the way the body produces its heat when we're in the ice is we get, if we're in there long enough, we start to shiver. Metabolism happens. Um, that's the uh, noradrenaline and so on. And brown fat is activated to produce heat. Now, this fat's interesting. This brown adipose, adipose tissue that's actually great for fat loss. So if, you're, if your normal fat turns into brown fat from a metabolic point of view, um, that's going to be excellent for weight loss techniques. And so we come back to potential. This is where I'm excited about the future because um, I'm kind of treading these two lines here between Wim Hof, Biteco, sleep apnea, or you know, uh, uh, the, the other things that, that Wim Hof's trying to work on, the immune system and so on. And I'm thinking, right, these patients that I've got, these, um, these people who are um, over-breathing and um, they, they, have, uh, they, they have a need for Biteco-type breathing, they have snoring and sleep apnea and so on, maybe they, they have increased um, weight because that's uh, linked, of course, with sleep apnea, um, and they have a need to reduce weight. This, to me, this method is, is, a potential, is a potential method of getting people doing a whole bunch of amazing things one is one is weight loss the other is um, um i'm getting a little bit esoteric now do you mind if i go a little bit left field is that okay yeah i'm gonna I'm, 
I'm going to go left field just for a moment, Hit okay? It. And I'm and just then naming. We'll bring you back in after you get get out there. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, I'm, well, I'm exactly. So I'm just going to name that I'm being esoteric so that you guys know that I'm I'm aware of it. But but what I'm what I'm saying here, and I don't I actually don't think it is esoteric. But okay. So here's the thing. Many people I've come across with snoring and sleep apnea, particularly if they have challenges with with uh, weight and, and, and weight loss and so on. So I'm talking about obesity here and, and those sorts of situations. Many of these people, they they get lost on an on attempts to lose weight in ways that have been proven to be not very useful, like short term fad diets and things like that. Mm-hmm. From a psychological point of view, from a psychological point of view, this can be very, very challenging because because if if you tr- if you do what you're told you've got to do, and you you know you you reduce portion size and you do this and you do that and you eat certain things and maybe you lose weight for a time but then uh, you know the weight comes piling back on again and, and so on. Psychologically, that that leads. I'm so I'm so interested in in psychology and ego and 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 uh, our own kind of own ego structures and psychologically, what that does is it tells the the, the mind will often say, "You're useless." You can't do this. You always, whenever you try, you're never successful and so on and so on. And and forgetting about weight loss, that's a message that many people carry with them for their entire lives. Uh Uh, Mm -hmm. And so from a psychological point of view, this kind of method we have of trying to lose weight is, um, it's not that great and it doesn't work very well for many people. And there's many other methods that have been shown to be far more effective. But essentially what I'm, what I'm getting at here is um, I'm going to, I'm going to just tell a little parallel bit thing, and then I'm going to come back. So, when I was at my training in in LA um, for my my first level of, of Wim Hof training to become an instructor, um, there were three guys in the audience. There were sorry, there were three guys who in my class, not the audience. We were all classmates, and these three guys were all American War veterans. Okay, they'd been to Afghanistan, and when we had a sharing at the start and they said, why have you got into this method? Why are you interested in it? And, and why are you here? Cause we all had a, there was about 60 of us in the class and we took a minute each to say why we were there when we first got there. And these guys, the general kind of flavor of their share, what they said was they said, well, since I came back from Af- Afghanistan, um, one of them said they'd, they, two of them said they'd had PTSD and the other one just said it was depression. Um, one of them said that they'd attempted suicide once, but they were unsuccessful. And all of them said that they'd had suicidal thoughts. Mm-hmm. Now, it's a pretty difficult situation. And they, they all also said that the stats on, the, on war veterans coming back from, from that is, is that it's very, very high to, that they'll have PTSD, depression, or suicidal attempts. So what happened was they said they, they tried the medication, they tried the psychologist, they tried everything else. Nothing was working for them. They came across this method, much like the way Wim did in the first place. They were they were at the depths of despair, and they felt like they had no control over their life, over, over what's happening for them. They did this, and as a result of particularly the, the going into the ice side of things, they something happened to them where they realized they had some control over, the, over their own being. Um, when you go into that ice, it, it's, you have no choice but to be other, nothing other than present, and if you're not present with what's going on and you're panicking, you either bounce straight back out. I've seen that happen. Someone gets in and 10 seconds later, they're out because they haven't got themselves into that zone of being super present and aware of what's going on for them before they've gone in. We don't just like go into the ice. There's a whole visualization process and a whole mindset 
preparation. And so when, when you go in there though, and you realize you can do that and you can actually in, at the point of being, whether it's emotionally triggered or any other way triggered at that point, you can say, okay, I've got this. It's okay. I'm going to breathe my way through this. I'm going to slow things down for myself. I'm going to get back into a state of awareness and presence. When you do that and, you, and you're able to spend time in the ice and then you come out and then you get this amazing feeling because you've got warmth in the core, but you're cold at the periphery. And then over a period of time, the, this warm blood that's gone to the, to the core comes to the periphery. And we get this beautiful kind of like afterglow sort of feeling. Um, this over time, because of things like release of serotonin um, and, and uh, the, the effects that that can have on, on reducing depression, um, and the fact that it shows you that you can have some control over your own destiny and so on. This is what these 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 uh, Afghanistan veterans said that was the main thing that, that made them all of a sudden that they're, they're OK. They've realized that they're OK and they they have some control over what's happening for themselves. So we come back to the sleep apnea person, the person who's overweight and they're constantly trying to lose weight. And every time they go to their doctors, they say, well, you know, we've we've tried the CPAP. We've tried the advancement splint, but you just got to do this yourself. You've got to lose weight. Well, first of all, it would be helpful if you had more brown fat because that's good at good for weight loss and, and the coal exposure does that. But secondly, if you can flip the switch in your body to turn on your serotonin um, to you know, increase noradrenaline to improve mood uh, and attention and um, focus, what, what, what then happens is self-love happens. And again, this is where it might be a little bit esoteric to some people. But what happens is you realize it's like, okay, I'm going to take three to three or four minutes every day to do this, to go into this state for my own self and my own well-being. And as a result of that, we start making better decisions for our health. And that can lead to things like not eating late at night, eating the right foods, doing exercises, being connected with other people because you've got more energy now because you're now ready to, you've actually got energy to give to others as opposed to just trying to get by. Mm -hmm. All of this has an effect. So mm -hmm. sleep apnea is a psychological problem as well as an airway problem um, for many people. For many people. I, so, I love that. I can even think of some of my own patients off the top of my head who, you know, a lot of that stuff has gone like hand in hand for them. Mm, absolutely. Mm -hmm. absolutely. And, uh -huh. and, yeah. 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 And, and me too as well. When I had sleep apnea and snoring, I would wake every, every morning with my teeth clenched together because my body was in so much fight, flight and stress. Um, for me, it was more a psychological and, and a, an emotional mm -hmm. thing um, that I've had since I was a little boy. I had a lot of challenges as a, as a boy. Um, and, you know, I probably haven't got time to go into that right now, but I'm, I'm happy to go there usually at any, at any point. But like, essentially, my father passed away when I was a little boy. And as a result of that, that, that made me extremely, uh, 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 my, my ego structure or my way of, of, of uh, dealing with that was to, was to be very judgmental of other people at all times. Because if I, if I can judge other people to be less than myself, then, then I can feel good for, for a moment, right? It's kind mm -hmm. of, so as a little boy, I you know, became like, you know, that's wrong, that's right, everything was mm -hmm. black and white. But I took that with, my, my, with me into adulthood. And that was part of my whole stress picture that I had to work on in order to not be in fight flight all the time and, and in order to dull down my, or not dull down to, to, in order to reduce my respiratory drive, in order to start being, being a more calm person. 
And I had to be a calm person during the day in order to be a calm person when I'm asleep at night. And, and so it, there's a whole psychological thing going on with snoring and sleep apnea because of the way the autonomic nervous system is affected by our environment. Um, and so we have to change our environment as well as expanding the jaw and doing our myo and as well as doing breathing training. There's no point doing a heap of breathing training if you're not going to look at what the environment is that's interplaying with that, with that, with that breathing, with that respiratory <laughs> drive. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Because I know that for me, at the times I'm over breathing or I have that mm-hmm. feeling like I can't get enough air, <laughs> sure. it's always at work because I'm yeah. stressed out. <laughs> Nobody watches. So there's something yeah. to do. Everyone ate lunch before they came in today. <laughs> oh, I would take that in a heartbeat over some of the other crap. I like that, Dan, that it's sleep and breathing things are not just, you know, your body dysfunction is also your brain. So that was a really good point. And I don't think it's too far out there because every time you see a therapist, at least for women, I don't know how it is for men, but they're always telling you mm-hmm. self-care, self-care, self-care. So this could be a version absolutely. of yeah. self-care. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, Dan, mm. I have a question for you. You've mentioned the pillars of Wim Hof, but like, what are what are all of like? What is the full? What are they all? Mm-hmm. Okay, so we've got we've got the the breathing technique, um, and so the suggestion would be uh, if, as a as a Wim Hof practitioner, um, I would normally do my breathing. I, tr- I I say I do it once a day, but I'll be honest with you guys, I probably do it about five days a week. Um, the, the the breathing technique. Um, so I'll, I'll talk. I'll, I'll talk through what that looks like shortly as well. We've got training of mindset, which is the focus and attention. And uh, so, for example, you're not just going to go and step into a bucket of cold water. You're going to what you're going to do before you go into that cold is you're going to you're going to get calm. You're going to get centered. You're going to visualize what's going to happen. Um, you're going to um, actually um, sort of play through in your mind what's going to happen before you go in. And then you're going to go into the ice when what when the shift happens. We call it the shift, um, which is when the the body sort of goes, "Oh my God, I'm in the ice." And, you know, and and the mind will come in and say, "What are you doing? It's unsafe. Get out. What are you doing? You're crazy." And and then what we have to do is we we come above the mind, we get present, and we say, "No, no, I've got this." Um, you tell the mind to get lost for a moment, and and then we we take nice long breaths um, through that that sort of little stress response. And eventually you go into a state of calm where for me, it's often almost like I'm almost not breathing when I'm in there. Sometimes it's very, or very sort of slow, gentle breaths. Because when you first get in, when I first jumped into the ice, you know, it's kind of like a, <gasps> this kind of thing. This is what tends to happen when, when we first go in. And, and I don't suggest you go in, you just go into the ice without some training to lead towards that. So the, what, what that looks like is, for example, just having 10 seconds cold shower at the end of your normal shower um, to begin with. And then make that 20, then make that 30, and then make that a minute and do that for a period of time and, and then consider whether you want to go any further with it. So the breathing, do you want me to talk you through what the breathing looks like then? What that what that actually is, what the yeah. technique is? Yeah. So what yeah. it looks like is um, 40, 40 breaths deeply in um, from going from the belly, so diaphragm into the chest. So full expansion, you're taking a complete full breath all the way in, and then we let that go. And then just before the air is fully gone out, 
Um, so, so there's no space in between the breath, essentially. Just before the air is fully out, we do the next in-breath. So we do 40, 40 full breaths, basically, um, one after the other without any space in between each breath. After those 40 breaths, we have uh, what we call retention, which is a breath hold. Um, so after the out breath, we, we hold our breath. The first time you do it, you might look towards doing maybe 45 seconds to a minute, um, something like that, but it's different for different people. Um, after the breath hold, we have one full breath in that we hold on the in breath and we hold that for about 15 seconds. And then we go into the next round and typically we'll do three or four rounds of that, of that breathing technique. And, and as, as I said before, what happens is during the hyperventilation, we're losing CO2, um, we're getting vasoconstriction, um, and, and, uh, some degree, potentially, if you have uh, asthma or, or, or those sorts of challenges, um, this may not be something that you want to do. So particularly, don't do it unsupervised. Um, and so basically, pregnant women, epileptic people and, and asthmatics, all those people really um, definitely don't do it if you're epileptic or pregnant. Absolutely, definitely do not do this um, because the fetus is not going to get enough oxygen for a, a, a long period of time. That's not cool. And if you're epileptic, you may well actually trigger an epileptic attack. So, so yeah, so not, not good. And I, and I wouldn't suggest doing it if you're asthmatic either, even though that's not an official contraindication. Um, certainly don't do it unsupervised. And you have to do this lying down, um, uh, definitely not in a body of water or while driving a car. You have to do it in a space where if you did actually pass out, because this is a possibility, um, not that it's ever happened to me, but if you did actually pass out, it has to be safe. Okay, so this is not something just to kind of try on all of your patients, right? I, I certainly yeah. haven't haven't considered <laughs> trying this on any of my patients. Um, but what I'm what I'm the reason why I'm wanting to share this information is because, um, uh, and this is actually just for adults as well, by the way. Okay, so they in the Wim Hof method they say if you're under eighteen, they suggest not doing it. Even though I have yeah. seen children children do it in a, not in not in my workshops, but I've seen a little boy come with his father, and he had a great time. Um, but, um, nonetheless, um, there are certain, there are certain, uh, risks and things to, to be aware of when doing this. And I, so I'm not suggesting to people to just go out there and do it, but what I want to do is, is to explain about the, the research in it and, and explain about the physiology behind it. Because for some people, particularly the people I've mentioned, like the people with depression, people who just can't get themselves, um, to into, um, into the right frame of mind or to feel any happiness or energy, chronic fatigue, things like this. For these sorts of people, this method potentially, and I say potentially because we need more research and it's constantly happening, but potentially has um, huge impacts. And that can then interplay with just generally being well and generally um, being able to make good choices in life, which can help with then snoring and sleep apnea and so on. Um, the other pillar is mindset training. Um, focus and commitment, essentially. So, you know, are you going to be committed to do your breathing exercises every day in order to give your body um, the really beautiful, um, uh, happy chemicals, endorphins, and so on that, that that comes from it? Just like if you were deciding to be a yogi, you'd have to practice that almost every day to get to, to get the real benefits from it. Um, and also, of course, commitment to go into the ice. So. There's a whole bunch of research papers that I could go into, um, and it depends how much time we've got. But um, I'm just wondering, have you guys got any questions at this stage? Um, 
is there three three is pillars? There any so other three pillars, three pillars are gradual two? cold exposure, um, the breathing technique, and the training of the mindset and focus, which is a little bit like meditation. Yeah. I'm just getting so cold thinking about it. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, so just breathe through that and uh, come out the other side, and hopefully you'll be okay. <laughs> I am laying here trying to practice. Um, could you walk okay. us through some exercises mm. so okay. yeah, someone okay. let's, could see what it is like? Yeah. Let's have a, 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 let's have a mini experience of it because I'm not comfortable doing the whole thing without knowing people's medical histories and, and things like that. And I'm mindful that there might be some of your listeners out there and, and they might be trying it themselves. So Point number one is I don't want you to try these exercises if you are um, if you have any chance of having epilepsy or if you're pregnant, if you have any chance of being pregnant um, or if you have um, significant serious breathing challenges, um, panic attacks um, on a regular basis and, and, or asthma. OK, so that's that's kind of like don't try this if you if you're one of those people. Um, so and and also. Um, Normally we do about 30 or 40 breaths, but maybe what I'll do is I'll take you through doing say 20 breaths. Um, and that way we're doing kind of a mini version of it. Um, it's also very important right now, if you're listening to this, that you're lying down um, such that if you um, did pass out, which um, you won't, but if you did, um, uh, you should be lying down um, nice and comfortable, for example, on a yoga mat or, or on a couch or something like that. Um, so definitely not in a body of water, for example, or um, driving a car and things like that. But lying down is important. Okay. All right. So are you all are you all in that position, Megan and Kimmy? Are you there? You're laying down. Okay, fantastic. Yep, I'm laying okay, down. Okay. So before we go straight into it, I just want you to just feel where you are in the room now. Okay. Let's just kind of get a sense of how your body's feeling. Um, for you guys right now in America, it's in the morning here in Australia, but it's the evening there. You may have had a long day, whatever. Just let all of that go away. Just drop all of that. Let it drop. You guys are also working now because we're doing the podcast. But just just for a moment, um, I'll take care of the podcast. And I want you just to just lie down and rest. Completely rest. Just do what it, let the body do whatever it wants to be doing. Right now, the body is breathing you. And you're not really changing what your body's doing. So just taking a moment and then just setting an intention for your practice. Um, do you want to feel relaxed today? Do you want to have some energy? Um, do you want to, are you just curious? Do you want to just satisfy your curiosity? Whatever it might be, set your intention and thank yourself also for just taking this time for this couple of minutes just to lie down and rest and to go through this process. Okay, so let's get into it. Okay, so what we're going to do is you can follow me. And when we breathe, we're going to go fully in from the belly to the chest towards the head. So when we say the belly, we're letting the diaphragm move. We're, we're, we're taking the air down to the diaphragm, letting that expand fully, and then into the chest, letting the chest expand fully, and then, and then let it go. Okay, so just following me now, I'm going to give you instructions, okay? So you're lying down, take a breath in, belly to the chest, to the head, let it go. Belly, chest, head, let it go. 
belly, chest, head. Let it go. Belly, chest, head. Let it go. In with all the good. Belly, chest, head. Let it go. And out with all of the bad. Belly, chest, head. Let it go. You may be getting continue now at your own pace for a little bit. Belly, chest, head. Let it go. You may be getting tingling, numbness, lightheadedness. Continue with your own pace. All of this is okay, and your body knows what to do. Okay, tingling, numbness is actually good right now. Okay, if it's coming, if it's not coming, it's okay. Belly, chest, head. Let it go. Belly. Chest, head, let it go. We're going to go five more breaths, and then I'm going to give you another instruction. Belly, chest, head, let it go. Belly, chest, head, let it go. Belly, chest, head, let it go. Into the belly, into the chest, into the head, let it go. Okay, now in fully in for me, all the way in, belly, chest, head, all the way in. Now all the way out, squeeze the air all the way out. Let it all go. Squeeze all of the air out. Now fully back in again, fully in, belly, chest, head, all the way in, and then let the air go. And after the exhalation, hold the breath. After the exhalation, hold the breath. So no breathing now, not much carbon dioxide in the system now. The body has no need to breathe right now. Plenty of oxygen in there. Takes a while for the oxygen starts to fall. Right now, just enjoying the stillness. No need to breathe. We're already at 15 seconds. If you need to breathe at any point. Okay, that's okay. If you need to breathe at any point, your first <sighs> breath. I want that to be a full breath in and hold for 15 seconds. Now, we only did 20 breaths, so we're not going to hold our breath too long now. So we're going to, if you haven't breathed yet, let's breathe now. We're going to breathe all the way in and hold the breath on the in-breath. We're going to hold for 10 to 15 seconds. So fully in and hold the breath. Two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. Let the air go fully out. Just let the air go. And now just relax. Let's just lie there for a minute now. Just enjoying a sense of relaxation. Whatever happened for you is okay. It was your first time. And we only did 20 breaths in one round instead of 40 breaths in four rounds. Okay, so... Just enjoying the moment now. And if you didn't feel anything, that's totally okay. I'm going to be quiet for the next 20 seconds and let you guys just enjoy whatever it is that's happening for you now. And then when you guys are ready, 
Megan and Kimmy, you can be in charge of what happens next, but you're going to come back into the room. You're going to slowly just bring yourself up to a seated position. Or if you're at home listening to this, you can just keep lying there if you want. Mm -hmm. Very interesting. That was interesting. Um, (laughs) Megan, I want to talk about my experience, then I want to hear yours. (laughs) Okay. Obviously, we have different brains. So Mm -hmm. the breathing was a little faster Mm -hmm. than I thought it would be. Like the inhale. Um, so that was like a different sensation too. And I felt like my head, I had a little bit, a little bit of tingling. Yeah, it tingly. did. It actually, did you have me, that? I was thinking the same thing is like, I'm like, man, I feel like I'm breathing fast. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. 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 And then, um, I mean, not as fast as yeah. you would mm-hmm. if you had like a panic attack where you're like, <gasps> mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, but it was a little faster than I thought. And yeah. um, I can mm-hmm. feel yeah, my I felt, heart. I felt pumping. like the blood, the blood going. Did you feel that too, Megan? Uh huh. Yeah, absolutely. And that's that's a normal response. Um, the heart going is a normal response. I've got a graph right here in front of me, looking at what happens during this breathing. And we got CO two falling. We got heart rate rising because it's trying to deliver oxygen around the body. It's, we got a stress response happening, and we've got pH rising. The body's going more alkaline. Um, so yeah, so essentially we're alkalizing the body at that moment Mm -hmm. in time because of the changes in pH that happen. Um, sure. Yeah, absolutely. And alkalizing is really good for you, right? Yeah. Yes. So I have a question for you, Dan. So we do, if you're doing like normal Winhoff, you would do the 40 of those breaths and then you do the breath hold and you're, you're inhaling, mm-hmm. exhaling, holding the breath, and then you inhale. Yeah, so so basically ex- that's right. You inhale so you do forty hold. deep breaths, and then on the on the second to last okay. deep breath, it's a in and then fully out, and then on the on the last deep breath, it's fully in and then just let the air go as normal, and then we hold our breath and go into retention, and that's when we're not breathing. Um, and in the retention, that's when CO2 is now recovering again. Mm-hmm. It's normalizing. Um, and uh, we're going to, um, yeah, we're, we're, but we're also getting a lower cellular oxygenation. So we're going to get a stress response at that point in time as well because of the low CO2 that happens at the start there. Anyway, we, we do our breath hold and then we do a full in-breath. We hold that for 15 seconds and then we go into round number two. Um, so now... It's, I've just done that at a very, very quick time for you guys just there. I'm all, I, I was very mindful that you know, normally in a class, I would know who's in the class, who's doing it. And it would be a lot more kind of uh, structured and uh, not more structured, but we would be doing the 40 breaths and we would go for more rounds. And, and we, only, we only did round number one just then. And, and things do change. We go deeper throughout each round generally. Um, and all kinds of things can happen, ranging from people having fits of laughter mm-hmm. Um through to people having emotional um, uh, releases, crying and so on. My first time I did it, I, I initially started crying. I had a, a felt sense of a little boy being held down against his will. It was quite interesting, um, even though I don't remember that ever happening to me as a child or any kind of child abuse or anything like that. And afterwards, uh, about I went from crying through to um, uh, intense laughter that I couldn't control. Um, 
Yeah, and other people in my group had similar things going on. Really? So it's from an emotional point of view, um, because of the whole um, serotonin side of things and the endorphin side of things, it's very, very interesting um, what happens during these times. Um, but now I practice it regularly. I don't tend to get those things happening unless I'm in a big group of people. And then sometimes th there can be an emotional thing that can happen in, in, in a very nice way. But it's... Okay. Um, exactly exactly and you pick up other people's energy too i'm sure for me i didn't feel emotional but i th i've mm -hmm. already told you this but i have generalized anxiety disorder so i always feel on edge at all times <laughs> so for me it felt really good coming mm -hmm. out of it and i felt like i could breathe normally again it was like uh -huh. that feeling of yeah. getting good yeah. news and you're like oh i'm okay i'm safe yeah yeah which was a beautiful feeling. So the, Anxiety yeah, so there can be a sense of almost taking back often, control so there, lovely. right? <laughs> like a, yeah, I, I can do this. I got this. It's okay. You know, I'm okay. Um, yeah, there's a whole bunch of things that go on. Um, hey, I want to sh share one research paper with you guys. There's a whole heap of research papers done with the Wim Hof method, um, and they're doing more as we speak. I think I mentioned the other day, there's one in San Francisco that's currently on pause because of the, the coronavirus. Um, but um, can I, is it okay for me to share this, this, this one? Because this was really the one that I, yeah. I found very, very interesting. So it was in 2015. Yes. Uh, um, I, I think it was in 2015 anyway. Let, let, I, I'll uh, hang on. Let me check because I want to make sure. Anyway, I won't. Maybe my dates are wrong at this point in time. Um, but there was a research paper done where what happened was that um, Wim Hof uh, basically said to the, uh, the, the medical community that uh, he, he tends not to get sick. He's got a good immune system as a result of this technique. And they said, okay, well, let's, let's do some studies on it. So they did. And what they did was they, they injected him with the um, endotoxin, uh, the, the, the cell wall of uh, E. coli bacteria. Um, and normally what happens to people when this is injected is that they will um, – they will succumb to E. coli infection, which is things like um, symptoms of um, you know, nausea, vomiting, um, rash, um, you know, fever, those sorts of things. And through the, the techniques that he uses, he, he was able to not have any of these symptoms and, and, and to essentially to not succumb to this injection. Now, in the history of medicine up until that point in time, if someone had been injected with the uh, E. coli endotoxin, they would have had symptoms. And, and in fact, when, they, when they're testing to see how medications work with these things, this is the kind of thing that they will do. So it's, it's not going to kill anybody if they're relatively fit and healthy, but it, it always creates symptoms. So he was the first person not to experience symptoms. They then said to him, well, this is interesting, but you know, you're, you're kind of a bit of a freak of nature. You've got over 20 world records. You've climbed Kilimanjaro in a pair of shorts and, and so on and so on. Um, so you're an outlier, you're genetically superior, so it doesn't really prove anything. He then said, no, well, give me, give me some volunteers. Um, and as long as they're relatively fit and healthy, we will, um, I, you know, I'll, I'll take them through my course and, and program. So they went to Poland to his training center and they spent several days with him in Poland um, practicing the techniques. Um, I think it was 15 volunteers. They then went and had the same E. coli injection and and again, they were they were just like him. They were able to show that they weren't their body was not influenced in the way that 
that normal people would be influenced. Um, and so it's showing the, the potential for the, the effects on the immune system and, and how, how the body's able to respond in a, in a better way. So I, I thought that was very interesting because pretty blown away by it. But um, that's just one research paper. There's a whole bunch of other research papers as well. That's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. So very, very interesting. And, you know, it's very much at the, at the early, early, um, you know, parts of its, um, of, of, uh, of, of, of proof, you know, it's, it's not something that's had rigorous scientific stuff done on it over many, many years at this point in time, but really more and more research is coming out all of the time. And, and, and for me, the proof is really in, in, in certainly from my own experience, I'm, I'm having really, really good experience with the whole method. And as I say, I went to it skeptically in, in the, in the, in, in the first instance. So yeah, very, wow. very interesting. Yeah. Any other questions on the Wim Hof method? Yeah. Well, even just even talking about the breathing, right? Like that's, you know, that's such a big part of what we all do. And I still think that like applies, like you were saying right there at the end. Mm, yeah. Yeah. It's the breath very powerful mm -hmm. for sure. So yeah. 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 I, I really appreciate you inviting me. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And everybody has anxiety. Especially right now. <laughs> I just have like a quick breathing specialist question for you. My boyfriend Andy has like these brownish purple dark circles. Yeah. Is there anything? He's a total mouth breather too because he's got high palate, mm -hmm. like severe deviated septum, and one of his sinuses is almost completely yeah. clogged. So he needs to get through expansion when the world is not closed. Uh -huh. um, and I have him on a breathe right strip and a chin strap at night. But is there anything well, else that could the help? Dark with those, like, you know dark, why the dark, dark circles, circles are there, or like I, I don't know whether I, do you want me to explain or? No, I mean like like, like uh, from a functional he, anatomical he, point of he's view. He's got are you, are sleep you... apnea. So like, basically that that inferior orbital vein yes, that you're, you're seeing that venous blood yes. close to the surface, right? And obviously he's narrow because you're saying he needs expansion. So, um, so the um. The pterygomaxillary fissures a tiny little mm -hmm. space be behind where, where that um, inferior orbital vein drains through. And even in someone who's well expanded, has a good maxilla, it's already a really small space that the vein has to go through in order to drain. But if he's got a narrow maxilla, the, that, that space is even smaller. So it's really hard for that, drain to, that vein to drain back. If you then combine that with breathing dysfunction, which means that you get um, constriction at the arterial, not at the venous end. We don't get constriction on veins, but um, a constriction at the arterial end that creates a sluggishness in the cardiovascular system, um, and so that's why that that those dark circles are there. And obviously, it's made worse if he's tired or hasn't slept well because the breathing dysfunction is worse at that point, and the cardiovascular system is slu more sluggish. So, so the things that, that you can do apart from expansion um, to to physically make that space mm -hmm. bigger. And, and to make space for his tongue and all that kind of thing that you guys already know about. Um, I would say for someone like that, if he's an adult, he might be a perfect, a perfect example of someone to try this Wim Hof method. Um, because what's happening with Wim Hof, I, I probably should have said this during the, um, the, hmm. the okay. So what, what's happening with the Wim Hof method is it's like a, it for your, for your blood system, it creates a tidal effect. So during the, during the hyperventilation, you're getting the blood going from the periphery uh, to the to the core um, because of low CO2, 
Um, so uh, blood goes from the periphery to the core during the hyperventilation. And then during the breath hold, we have the opposite happening. So you're, as CO2 rises, you're getting the periphery then opening up because of um, uh, vasodilation. Um, and the blood is now coming out from the core to the periphery. And then you go into the hyperventilation again, and it goes back to the core, and it goes back to the periphery. And so you're getting this in and out flow of all of this blood. You're getting almost all the blood volume to the core, and then it going to the periphery. And I... I don't know exactly what that creates, except for the fact that to me, from a, um, just from a rational um, point of view, I think it's probably a good thing that you're getting this inflow and outflow of the, of the blood from a cleansing point of view, from a lymph point of view and all those other sorts of things, like a tidal effect. The same thing happens with the cold. So we get the blood rushing to the oh. core in the ice and then, um, and then going back to the periphery as we warm up. So, you know, I think from a point of view of people who have a sluggish cardiovascular system and, you know, things like venous pooling and all those other things, um, you know, it, it's probably worthwhile trying to get that blood coming in and out and really getting the, um, it's like a, a, a smooth muscle workout. So increasing, increasing and decreasing CO2 is a smooth muscle workout mm -hmm. and as is going in and out of the ice, so you're getting smooth muscle constriction and then relaxation. Um, so it's like, it's like kind of going to the gym for the smooth muscle system. I have one last question for that's you. That's how we normally so recommend starting. So if someone didn't starting. want to go full yep. ice, yep. could yep. you just do cold So it's literally like, you know, get washed, enjoy your shower, have your hot shower, wash your hair, all okay. that kind of thing. And then maybe do, um, you know, up to about a minute or so in the cold afterwards. And the key is to, when, when you do it, the key is to kind of tell your brain and, 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 and sort of say like, you know, like I've got this, um, you know, the ice is my friend, the cold is my friend, and I'm going to get a good feeling after this, as opposed to being in there and kind of tensing up and panicking. Because if you do that, it's not it's it's not going to give you a good feeling if you do that. So you have to just kind of go with it, and maybe just ten seconds initially, and just gradually build it up. You know, yeah. So interesting. So how how does how do Wim Hof and myofunctional therapy like <laughs> complement each other, right? Because it's uh, a myofunctional yeah. therapy, you know, podcast. Mm. So like, how can we bring this in yeah. for you know ourselves or you know? Yeah. Yeah refer to others yeah mm -hmm. or yeah. refer because i'm like Look, this i think like i think people doing myofunctional therapy practice. um as we've already sort of said in the last podcast it's important that they understand about breathing function mm -hmm. um and because obviously that directly affects affects myofunction tongue posture in particular and so um i think really that the the, the the, the usefulness in understanding that it, the, even if you're not going to even attempt the Wim Hof method ever yourself or anything like that, the usefulness in understanding what's going on from a biochemical point of view, um, both with um, hypoventilation, which is the Buteyko technique, um, and with hyperventilation, which is this here, and, and obviously going into the ice is something different. But I think understanding the physiology behind all of that is very, very useful. Um, and and, and because if you don't really understand these things on a, at a deeper level, your ability to, to spot problems in your patients and understand where they're at and what's, what's happening can be, um, you know, can be, can be limited. So first of all, I think an understanding is important. Where do they fit together? That's, that's a really interesting thing. And, and I, I'm not sure I know that exactly right, right now at this point in time. But what I do know is that, um, Say, for example, I have a Biteco client who comes to me for breathing training for snoring and sleep apnea. Um, 
if if they also as part of their life if they also at that point in time are either depressed or they're having um difficulty with making good health decisions for themselves and there's a sense of maybe they 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 just don't have a control over their own environment and so on um the way what the way i see the wim hof method is working in a situation like that is is potentially getting that person back into feeling like they've got good energy and feeling that they've got some some uh some focus and and some control over their own destiny um and in, in doing so for, for that person, I'm thinking now of an adult with snoring and sleep apnea where I'm doing the Mayo to get their lip competency correct. I'm doing the Biteco to get their tolerance to CO2 up. But but maybe in order to for them to actually have um, the self-love that we were talking about before to actually go out and do the exercise that they have to do, um, those sorts of things, I, I think the Wim Hof method could be excellent in that kind of situation. Um, as far as for children goes, um, I'm, I'm at this point in time, the Wim Hof method is not really being used for children. Um, but I, of course, myofunctional therapy is being used for adults and, and so on, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, chronic stress and depression, that's where the Wim Hof method comes in beautifully. Yeah, r- chronic stress. If your patients have got chronic stress and depression, it's mm. worth considering finding a, a Wim Hof practitioner. There's, there's actually lots of them in America. Um, I, now, they're all obviously vary and so on, and you need to find one that you trust and know. But, um, you know, if, if someone's got chronic stress and depression, as well as, of course, the, the obvious things like making sure they have a, a medical doctor to make sure that they're safe and they, they don't have any need for medicine to prevent them from, um, you know, going too, too low. Um, you know, I, I, I think this is something that can really pull people out of that, that, uh, that darkness. And if you really ask your patients with snoring and sleep apnea, um, if, if they're honest with you, they'll, most of them will tell you that they have some degree of depression um, because, it's been proven that poor sleep is, is linked with, with, with depression and anxiety states and certainly poor breathing is. Um, so that's where I'm seeing it. P- patients who come to me now with snoring and sleep apnea and I'm doing Buteco programs with them, whether it's online or whether it's in person, um, I'll, be, I'll be considering whether they're appropriate for this and, and then using it that way. And, and it, you know, it, it's, it's quite new for me. I haven't got a great deal of experience with, with using this on, on patients um, because I've only, been, I've only actually been practicing this since uh, late, late uh, October last year. So, yeah. Well, it's a little bit <laughs> oh, like the Biteco so thing new, for me. I, so I went smart. on it and had a, a, a profoundly life-changing, good experience with Biteco and immediately went straight to the Biteco Institute to get trained by the guy who was trained by Biteco's um, student. You know, I kind of, I had to immerse myself in it to understand it more. And and so I've done the same thing with the mm-hmm. Wim Hof method. I've had profound changes in my energy levels and in my happiness levels since since, since trying this. And as a result, I've, I've now gone and, and, and learned with the Wim Hof, Wim Hof uh, Academy. Um, and I've still got more training to do. I'll be, I'll be tr- finishing my training in, in Poland in November, in the winter in Poland. Um, and that's the kind of more advanced training that I'll be doing then. Um, Oh, absolutely. I'll, yeah, we'll be. Are you going to have to get into we'll be, a freezing? We'll river? be climbing up the mountain in our shorts in the in the in the snow, <laughs> uh, and we'll be we'll be going into the into the ice pools in Poland for sure. Um, yeah. So it's you know, and I'm not a super fit. Like I, I am, I'm healthy, and I'm wow. and I do exercise a lot and everything else. But I'm not an elite athlete by any means. Um, and and many of the people who do this technique are not. You know, there's all kinds of shapes and sizes interested in this. 
there's a there's a woman who I can't remember her name, but she has a Facebook page and she must be in her 60s or 70s. And, and she does all kinds of videos of her. She, she lives in a very cold, icy community. And she does all these amazing videos of her going out into the ice. And, you know, she's she, she doesn't look like a super strong person, but she's just finding that from her, her own health point of view, she's absolutely loving it. You know, it's it's a very interesting thing. And, you know, coming back to the Maya, we're talking here about reducing inflammation in people, you know, chronic inflammation. And yeah. so... This is this is also where the Wim Hof thing is at. It's it's we're talking about anti-inflammatory um, uh, immune modulators being released as a result of this. Um, that's what um, epinephrine and um, uh, noradrenaline, norepinephrine, that, that they they both have an anti-inflammatory effect. Um, they reduce dopamine and cortisol. Um, so uh, we get increased in, interleukin ten and white blood cells, as I said before. So all of this is interesting if we're trying to reduce inflammation. Um, so I think it's a watch this space thing. I'm going to try and use, I'm going to use this on a, a number of yeah. clients of mine and, and, and see where they go. And I, and I look forward to the future to, to actually bringing some interesting case studies out in relation to particularly people who are struggling with things like being overweight and, and snoring and sleep apnea. Um, yeah. yeah, I'll be excited to see, you know, how this goes for you. One thing that it made me think of um, when you initially <laughs> posed this idea to us, I was like, that sounds terrible. Oh. Hyper- <laughs> hyperventilating mm. and sitting in an ice bath. I can't think of anything worse. But I like how you've mm-hmm. described it as, you know, you have to train your brain to realize it can do those Absolutely. hard things so you can take control back. I love that. One of my very favorite sayings um, is I can do hard things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. I think Wim Hof. Yeah. It, and it and it's hard at first, but with practice, it becomes easier as well. And that's another interesting thing, isn't it, about the human body, how we adapt um, all around the world right now where everyone's having to adapt and mm-hmm. we're showing how, ama- how amazing we are at doing that. And, um, but we, and some of our ad- adaptations actually come and they give a good, a good change, you know, um, and so this is this is what we're talking about here. And, um, you know, interesting space. I use this as well. Um, I've used it with um, men's groups is that, you know, we're training, training men that when they um, when they're emotionally triggered by their, their wife or their partner or their boss or whatever it might be, when they're emotionally triggered, how do, how do they respond? What do they feel inside their body? And, you know, typically for me, it will be um, an increase in heart rate and maybe get a bit warm around my neck or something like that. So training to feel these feelings and then knowing how to respond in that moment and to, to notice the feeling and then, and then responding is very important. And um, that's what we're doing when we're, when we're doing the Wim Hof is we're going into the ice, we're feeling what we're feeling and we're, and we're responding by being calm, you know? So, yeah. So. So how could somebody find well, you? First of all, they can email me. Um, they can email me at my off. email address, uh, drdan at sleepystrip.com. Um, so they can, they can find me there easily. Um, I'm actually currently in the process of, of writing a new website um, called breathehealthretreats.com. Um, but that's not actually live just yet. And in the, in the near future, that will be where... Um, much of my training will, will, will come from. I, I'll, I run retreats, breathing retreats out in the wilderness um, for people. 
Um, but also um, from that website, you'll be able to find my, my online training in the future. But for now, it's just a case of emailing me and I do it, um, I, I do it online in webinar format um, unless they're obviously local to me, in which case sometimes I do it face to face. So cool. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us all the way from Australia and spending your morning yeah. with us. Um, we really yeah, appreciate you. And yeah. Twice your in a brain. row, too, letting us take we your really brain appreciate twice. your brain. <laughs> yeah, no, you're, you're welcome. It's been an absolute pleasure. And I, I know the Wim Hof thing is kind of a little bit um, left of field and off center for, for, for Mayo. But, you know, I think I think it's important to understand the, the power of breathing and, the, and what breathing does to our to our physiology on an immediate basis and even if you just know that from a point of view of hyperventilation for your mouth breathers then that's that's yeah. great but just know the power of the breath you know yeah 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 there it is mm. yeah <laughs> your next time like, i will make a shirt of that <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm already uh, thank you so much guys I, I really appreciate it thank you all Bye. right Thank you. All right. Join us next time and go check out the episode Functional Breathing to hear part one.